is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi, my name is Jason. And my name is Chris. And this is The Talking Dead, episode number 545, recorded Thursday, September 9th, 2021. Indeed it is, Jason. Do you know what else today is? Uh, the ninth, first day of school? It is the first day of school, so it was a rather hectic morning around here. Both of my girls were starting in new schools this year in grade eight and, sorry, in grade seven and grade nine. Grade so, nine. I know. I have a high schooler now. It's crazy. Man. It is difficult to believe. But uh, so we had a, fir- a good first day of school. Uh, that was very exciting. Everyone came home happy with their situations, their classes and their teachers and stuff like that. So we'll, uh, you know, fingers crossed we get through this school year without it shutting down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so far, so good, though. Day one. <laughs> yeah. I just... Uh... Oh man, grade nine. That's, that's amazing. The first time I quit smoking was in grade nine. Quit smoking? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Well, the last time you quit smoking was about six years ago. No, more than that. No, it's, it's more like 12 or 12 years ago. It's been over 10 now. Well, good but for you. yeah, I, I smoked in grade seven and eight and then quit for all of high school and then started again after high school. Well, you needed to be in top physical shape in high school. So you didn't want to smoke through all those formative years. Yeah, and then one New Year's Eve, I decided that my New Year's resolution was to start smoking again, and I did it. <laughs> you did it, and you stuck to it for years I stuck upon to years. it the whole year. All right, well, it is the first day of school, but it's something else, too. Uh, you're going to have to fill me in, sir. Today is September the 9th, which Correct. means that we started this podcast exactly 12 years ago today. Holy jumping Jesus. 12th birthday of the show, man, September 9. Is that not crazy as well? That is pretty, that's pretty nuts. I know. <laughs> I know. It's hard to believe sometimes. 12 but, years. Uh, Good Lord. Man. 12 years. Because it's the first day of school, I kind of forgot. I was distracted this morning and leading up to it. Uh, but a couple of listeners uh, reminded me, one of them being uh, Bianca from the Philippines, who always reminds me about stuff like this, uh, which is very, very kind of her and great. So I appreciate that very much. She sent me a message this morning to say happy podcast birthday. And I'm like, oh yeah, it sure is, isn't it? Nice. (laughs) So uh, yeah, thank you for doing that. And um, incredible, 12 years. Some of our listeners have been with us since basically that day, since the beginning. Yeah. And I remember your old basement when we recorded in that old basement and man, was that a different place than it is now. It sure was. We recorded in the old basement, then we recorded in the the basement with nothing in it while it yep. was being renovated, and then uh, we, we recorded, recorded in your dad's basement. We, we did when we absolutely had to, and eventually we recorded in this new basement, and then we went our separate ways and we recorded in our own respective basements now. That's correct. So, boy, the nice. things that have changed. Pretty incredible. Yep. And to think, when we started... Uh, I had a two-year-old and a newborn, and now I have a high schooler and a junior high schooler. Jeez Bonkers. All right. Well, happy birthday to us. Uh Uh-huh. Kind of floors me, but awesome. Yeah, way to, way to, sorry, I didn't mean to make you feel old, but I'm old too, so don't worry. Well, I I don't feel old. Well, I do feel old, but it's not because of this. I wasn't feeling old. I was just feeling nostalgic for, uh, 12 years of this shit. 
<laughs> it is rather crazy. It is rather crazy. All righty. Well, enough of that. We are here to read and listen to your listener feedback about The Walking Dead Season 11, Episode 3. It was called Hunted. And uh, let's jump into it right now. What do you say? Surely. Listener feedback. All righty. We're going to start with a call from longtime listener Justine in NorCal. And Justine says, holy crap, that was an awesome episode. Quite possibly one of my favorites of the whole series. The opening sequence was like a super tense but cool horror movie. And the scenes with the horses were lovely, despite us having to endure even more horse carnage. I also loved the interactions between Negan and Maggie. Theirs is now my favorite relationship. And I'm calling it right now. Might there be some romance brewing? There might be. There might be. And Justine's uh, voice sounds a lot like yours. You said it was a call. You said at first we have oh. a call from Justine and NorCal and then read out the email. So I'm just making fun of you uh-huh. uh, because uh, you misspoke ever so slightly and we should probably just gloss over it and not think about it anymore. And move into Justine's topic. <laughs> <laughs> yes, lots of horse carnage. Uh, yes, I believe that uh, Maggie and Negan are, are going to hook up and have, uh, I don't know, if, uh, if uh, Maggie has another child with Negan, what do, you think they would, what do you think they would name it? Hank. Hank? Yeah, why not? Could be Hank. Could be, uh, could be anything, really. Well, look, there's, there is a group of people out there that are thinking this is, this is a thing. You know, so they need a name for the couple and it would be like Nagy or Megan, you know, I don't know. I I really don't like mixing names together. Well, it happens all the time. Like it's a thing that people do. I personally am pretty sure I will hate it if that happens on the show. I do not want them to become a couple in any sort of romantic way. I just think that would be weird and silly. I mean, he just left her to die on the train tracks. You don't get together with a dude that does that. Not to mention bashing your former husband's head in with a baseball bat. I mean, weirder things have happened. Have they? I mean... Well, in real life, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, okay, Leave fair. you to die, you leave me to die, I murder your husband, we get together, we have a few laughs. You know, uh, you know, you, you really can't, uh, you really can't judge love, right? Love finds it, finds a way. It finds a, it creeps into weird situations. Yeah, you could be right, but I still think I'm going to hate it if the show goes there. Well, no, I mean, this is uh, reality is stranger than fiction, right? So you, you can't write that shit, but I'm sure that kind of crap happens all the time in real life. Yeah. Okay. Fair point. If it happened in real life, I'd be totally fine with it. But on the show, forget it. <laughs> yes, no, I agree. No way. I don't think uh, I, I. I don't think that that should happen. Okay. And then, and then, if it does happen, obviously Eugene has to watch, right? Well, f- of course. I mean that that's a thing. Absolutely. You think he watches everybody have sex? <laughs> he just sneaks around in the houses at night and hides in the closet. Right? He said he's he's witnessed the act more than a few times, right? Yeah. So you know, people hear bumps and go, "What is that?" Uh, that's that's just Eugene. Don't don't mind him. <laughs> don't mind him. You won't even know he's there. <laughs> he does that. Yeah, it's his thing. All right. Next, we have an email from Laura in Charlotte, North Carolina. Did anyone else feel like the opening of Haunted felt a little like the Blair Witch Project? Why else was everyone so lit up like there was a camera right uh, camera with a light in their face? It took me out of the whole scene a little. 
Thank you so much, Laura, for your call. Um, I, you know, I didn't really think of that while I was watching it, but you're not the only person who's mentioned it. And yeah, it's, it's camera with a light in the face, you know, in the Blair Witch Project, it's found footage. So that's what it's supposed to be in this, in The Walking Dead, it's more of just a style. And I got to say, I kind of liked the style of the opening it was a little different for sure, but at the same time, some of like seeing like the knives flying around and the weapons, you know, whizzing past people and, and the weird lighting with sort of really dark background, but bright up front, bright foreground. Um, I kind of dug it, didn't take me out of it, although it did jump out at me. So I don't know. I, I think the show is just trying something a little different there and some people might think it worked. Others might not. It kind of bothered me, but then I remember that uh, I'm trying to forgive the lighting in this show. Like the lighting is for the audience and not for the people. Like obviously Maggie didn't have a spotlight in her face because that would just absolutely ruin her night vision Mm -hmm. and she would have just simply died. Uh, But the light is for us. She didn't see the light. Correct. Literally. She didn't see, there was no light for, uh, for anybody else. Uh, but us. So I have to, I have to forgive it. Do I? Yes, I do. I think you do. Stylistic choice and I didn't mind it. All right. Now the next email comes from Ryan in Indiana and he has a more practical take on some of this stuff. Ryan writes, I wanted to talk about the cinematics in this season of The Walking Dead. As you guys probably know, The Walking Dead switched to HD cameras after using film for so long. The film gave it a rough feel that isn't in any other show that I know of. This season and in 10C, they started using new cameras and you can tell they're trying to use them to the fullest with all the cinematic shots they're doing. Like the horses running in the field, Father Gabriel sitting on the log in this episode, and multiple instances of Maggie walking through uh, that building with light pouring in before she found Negan and Alden. While these shots are While these are beautiful shots, I feel like it takes away from some of the horror of the show. You can see quite a ways around the characters and see they're in no danger. Contrast that with early seasons, especially around the prison in season three, a lot of the camera angles were close-ups on characters' faces or in tight quarters, which gave plenty of chances for jump scares, which we don't seem to get nearly as frequently now. You couldn't ever tell that this uh, was around and I feel like the show loses a lot of the horror potential with these new camera angles. Haven't really heard many people talk about it uh, so I was wondering what you guys would think. So yeah now that you mention it Ryan absolutely uh, the cinematography feels different with the uh, with the new cameras it's not film anymore it's uh, it's digital. Yeah, and I must admit, I actually didn't know that. I knew they shot on film from the beginning, but I didn't realize they made the switch recently. And as yeah. Ryan says, it's it's started in 10C. Um, I got to think it's it's cheaper probably to do that, and maybe that was the driving force behind it. But I actually didn't know they'd switched. I just thought they were making different cinematog- cinematographic <laughs> uh, decisions. Cinema. Cinemographic? Cinematographic? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> um, and, and I also don't think that just a switch to digital or a switch in camera technology would 
necessarily change the way they use close-ups versus wider shots or anything like that. I mean, if they want to use close-ups, they can still do that with these new cameras. So I would bet it probably comes down more to the direct, the specific director's decisions or cinematographers or director of photography or whoever makes those calls um, than the actual camera. But, and then, and then otherwise, maybe it's just a style choice overall for wider shots or less jump scares or, or whatnot. But it's interesting. It's an interesting note anyways. And I appreciate you calling it out, Ryan, because I didn't even know they switched. I didn't notice uh, really either without, uh, in retrospect, absolutely. It, uh, it makes perfect sense. But uh, at the time, no, not until this moment that I know. Yeah. yeah you I, can, you can kind of tell when, when it's pointed out, but it, it didn't jump out at me immediately. Yeah. It's like, uh, I, I would also assume that it takes less people to uh, work a digital camera than it does to take uh, to work a film camera with you know people changing film all the time so maybe uh, it is covid related as well mm. like the, the decision is probably factor that in uh, a little bit just you know we takes less people there's less clo- close quarters it's, we have more control uh, there's less processing there's less to, uh, no, it's uh, it's more of a direct from camera to editing suite than uh, going through the whole uh, film. I don't, I don't even know what the process is, but I'm sure it's complicated uh, with a lot of steps and people involved. Yeah, you know, you could actually be right about that. Uh, minimize the number of people, especially considering when they started doing it, right? Minimize the number of people on set. Uh, I, I don't know if there's a huge difference with, with just the camera choice, but whatever they can do to keep people safe, you know, why not? Yep. And it's like Shane's ears. Uh, you don't really notice, but once it's pointed out to you, it's the only thing you can see. It's very true because they take up the entire frame. They should have got the wider cameras back then because they needed them. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Next we have uh, another email from Matt in Lindenwald, New Jersey. Uh, so do you want to do the note or should I do the note? I forgot to talk to you about this beforehand. No, it's fine. Uh, I, I just, I cut a bit out at the beginning of Matt's uh, email here where he explains he's a bit lukewarm on the season and then made this point. So uh, it kind of, kind of makes more sense this way. All right. Matt writes, uh, there is one thing I have really liked about this season. Negan is not being a dick, but he's al- also isn't apologizing for every choice he makes. He isn't happy to see people die but he also won't needlessly risk his own life to save them. I love this direction and find him very easy to root for. I mean, who would have thunk it, eh? Negan, super easy to root for. Um, but here we are. Yeah, he's, uh, you know, he, uh, he, he's very likable. He's, uh, he's the most likable uh, racist, uh, rapist murderer that I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> uh, potential child. Anyway, he likes children a lot. Uh, but yeah, we can root for him. Sure. Sure. Why not? To each their own, I, I guess. Uh, but yeah, I've, I'm with Matt. I think Negan is one of the more fascinating characters to watch right now. And I think yeah. he had the best line of this episode when he told Maggie bluntly, I don't care about anything. You still have to make a decision if you're the leader. It's a good line. It is. And, and to backtrack a little bit, I'm not entirely sure that he's a racist. Okay, you're right. He's definitely <laughs> a bad guy, but... Yeah, I'm right. not sure about the racist thing. Okay. All right, we've got a bunch of calls coming up now, and uh, it, was a, it was a crazy week for calls because we got... 
we got a lot and we got a lot of long ones too. So I did more editing than usual, uh, sometimes for time, but also to avoid too much duplication. So uh, hopefully I didn't butcher anyone's main point, but you know, it might be obvious that some of these are cut a little bit, but I try to do my best to make it as seamless as possible. The first call here comes from listener Jason. Yo, Chris and Jason, what up, man? This is Jason from Los Angeles, California. First time calling in. Hey, I just want to talk about a couple of things. One is the Facebook situation. I was thinking about it and I was like, I think I know why they might have flagged you. I don't know if it's people. It's probably algorithms. And think about it this way. Just take Maggie and Negan, for example. Maybe a lot of people that are discussing things on the Facebook page, they go in, they're like, man, I want Maggie to kill Negan. And maybe the algorithm can't differentiate between fictional characters and real people. And they think that real people are talking about the other real people they'd like to see murdered. Just my two cents, maybe. Um, and lastly, I wanted to touch on Isaiah and throw this thought out there. He looks just like a reaper, the way he dresses with the mask and whatever. And I'm thinking um, they scooped him up in that battle and he just disappeared for the rest of the um, episode. And then the next time or we haven't seen him, but then later on in the episode, we see a burnt up human and it says Judas. What if that was Isaiah and they burnt him up? as a little warning to the rest of the crew, which also might go to Chris's idea that at some point Maggie was a reaper or the leader or whatever. And now they've all betrayed and, and they're making Isaiah to be an example. You know what I'm saying? Not Isaiah, uh, Elijah, whatever. Anyway, I know this is kind of long. Trim it up if you want, Chris. Hopefully uh, it makes an air and I got some good ideas for you. Thanks a lot. Love the podcast. Keep up your good work. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you, Jason. So he got the name right at the end there in case anyone was flipping out. It's Elijah, but uh, right. corrected himself. Uh, now, first, on the Facebook situation, uh, I wonder, that's a, that's an angle to this that I had not considered. Um, yep. if, it's, if it's some kind of algorithm that's looking at people talking about Maggie wanting to kill Negan, like, does that go against their terms or does the computer think that goes against their terms when here we are talking about a silly TV show. So I don't know, hadn't considered it, but I thought it was an interesting idea. That makes a lot more sense. Uh, you know, why would Facebook hire people to do anything? Exactly. Uh, so, uh, you know, in retrospect, absolutely, uh, Jason, your uh, your theory probably makes a lot more sense. Uh, trying to get a uh, an algorithm to understand fiction versus reality is also difficult. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, you know, even if, I guess the only thing surprising here is that they don't have any kind of recourse for a human arbitration, uh, based on, uh, this algorithm, algorithm, they must really trust the algorithm or they simply just don't give a shit. Algorithm flag stuff. That's all a win-win. It's, you know, everything from management on up, uh, still rings true. Yes. We got the numbers. Yes. We're flagging uh, pages as, uh, as bad and we're pulling them off because we're awesome corporate citizens and we need to do our part, uh, you know, to be a good citizen. So, that makes perfect sense. Uh, it's too bad they don't have any kind of human arbitration, but then they that's all they'd be doing, right? Everybody just like, yeah, 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 yeah. and then they'd have to go, blah, 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 and everybody would be upset. <laughs> I mean, that sounds just like me when I complained, yeah. 
Yeah, that's how adults talk, right? Of course. <laughs> Anyways, I, I thought it was a neat idea. You're probably right. Um, the one other thing I want to say on the Facebook situation is that, and I, and I may not have been clear on this on the last podcast, but a lot of people are jumping to the conclusion that we were removed from Facebook because of our name and because AMC has... Uh, the same name, as anyone who's been listening for a long time knows, we were using it long before they were, and there's never been any communication between us and AMC about it. They've never reached out. I've never reached out. So I just want to be clear that I do not know that that is true. I have no assumption that it is true. I have no idea if this has anything to do with name confusion with the AMC show. Um, and I... I you know, I apologize if, if I sort of implied that at all last time, but I don't, I don't know. It might, but really have no idea. And like we've talked about, I seem to have no way to find out. So yep, that's it. Um, but back to Jason's call on the Elijah theory about, you know, that character wears a mask, uses a weapon that looks like one of these Reaper weapons and if he is possibly a former Reaper, why wouldn't they, and then defected and came to Maggie's side, assuming Maggie is not, you know, a former Reaper as well, uh, why wouldn't these Reapers capture him, tie him to a tree, light him on fire, and then put a Judas sign above him as someone who betrayed them? I think there's something to that theory, and I like it. I like everything except for the fact that Elijah is the burnt zombie corpse. I don't think that that's him. I think they'd be a little more explicit. I think that that story needs to play out a little bit more. And they've been beating us over the head with certain things. Uh, and they really beat us over the head with this, uh, this uh, Judas uh, zombie. Like the way that they've uh, focused on the, the sign, they focused on the burnt out zombie. Um I think they would draw more of a direct line between uh, where Elijah was in the battle and him ending up on this tree uh, with this Judas. Or they'll play that out in the next episode. Right. See, I have a feeling we might just not know that yet. We maybe haven't seen that part of the story yet because I do think this this theory holds a lot of water. I mean, it makes sense. And, and when you look at the way the Reapers look and the, the way uh, Elijah covers himself and dresses and stuff like that and the weapon he uses, it feels like there's a strong connection there. And, you know, as you said, they made a big deal about that burnt out walker attached to the tree. So I feel like there is more to that story. There is more that we're going to find out. So we, we may not just, we just may not have seen it yet, but I think Jason's onto something here. I think Jason is on to something too. I am coming around if uh, it just might be a storytelling mechanism that we don't know what's going on. Yeah, because right now it feels a little confusing, right? Like why show that to us without the deeper meaning behind it? So I yep. think maybe it's just still to come. Yeah. Jason, I think both of your, uh, the, both of the things we played in your call are uh, spot on the money. I believe both of them to be true facts. On the money, baby. Oh, and next we have a call from Susan. Yes, we do. Hi, this is Susan from Ocean Grove, New Jersey. Longtime listener, first time caller. Love your show, guys. I love how Jason nitpicks all the 
uh, ammunition and gun related things and Chris brings it back to you know focus um, I do love a good nitpick though um, this season has been all about getting Maggie and Negan on the road together alone. Notice how they've kept Daryl away from any time Maggie had to make a decision, such as not letting Gage in the train car, uh, so that her decision wouldn't be overruled. Um, it's really become a show led by women, with Maggie and Carol and Rosita, um, very few of the men, um, are taking a leadership role. I was a little disappointed that none of the callers mentioned Connie um, in your last um, um, feedback show. I wonder when Carol and um, will run into Connie again. Poor Carol. What a burden. You know, everyone thinks they're hunting the horses for, you know, work purposes, but she knows and she has to make the decision that the horses are going to provide food for everybody. Why does Carol always have to have these terrible burdens put on her shoulders? You know, I hope at the end of the show, going into the spinoff, that Carol, Daryl, and Dog just walk off into the future in New Mexico while the others settle into the Commonwealth. Love the show. Uh, keep doing what you do. I appreciate it. Looking forward to the rest of the series. All right. Thanks. Bye. Thanks, Susan. Um, so I, I really wanted to, I, I enjoyed her point about the show really being led by the women right now. I mean, yeah. look at this, look at what's going on. We've got Maggie on her mission as the leader, taking everybody out, you know, on this mission that's admittedly not going so well right now. Uh, but she is the leader. She is the one making the decisions there. We've got a group of four women out searching for the horses. Um, and as Susan said, none of the men on the show right now really are taking much of a leadership role. And getting back to, you know, Maggie making decisions, like even, even like Daryl has never been great. I don't think at making decisions, he's not a leader type. He's never wanted no. to be that and so on. Um, so I don't know that he would be, you know, even if he was around, I don't know that he would ever really challenge uh, somebody else who's more in a leadership role in, in that way, right? He might challenge them physically <laughs> if it came yeah. to that, but you know, it wouldn't be a, I don't really think I agree with what you're doing. So why don't we try something else? I'm not sure that's a Daryl kind of thing to do. Absolutely. And look at Daryl's relationship with dog. Dog is the alpha in that duo. <laughs> Daryl just follows him around and tells him to do stuff or not do stuff. Dog does not listen. But uh, Daryl is uh, very obedient when it comes to whatever Dog wants to do. So, uh, yeah, even in that relationship, uh, Daryl is not the alpha. Yeah, that's that. That's pretty true. Uh, but, you know, people are controlled by their pets pretty often. Oh, pretty often. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, we have a hamster and the hamster calls the shots around here day to day. Yeah, you know, is he, the hamster's not like writing manifestos and getting you to do things that you wouldn't normally do, right? No, no, not really. Just just demanding <laughs> food twice a day and, and clean water and stuff like okay, that. Okay, so hamster stuff. Hamster stuff, yeah. Okay, so that's good. That's all right. So as long as the, the hamster's in charge of hamster stuff, that's, that's fine. When the hamster starts, uh, uh, you know, talking to you through your TV, uh, that's when you, I worry. I, I, I would be in some trouble then if that was the case. That's for sure. Yeah. 
Um, but anyways, the, the walking dead is a, is a show led by women right now. And I think that's great. I think, uh, <laughs> I think the world could use a little more of that in general overall. Absolutely. Yeah. And this, this show has been kind of a beacon in the, uh, in that kind of realm, right? Where mm-hmm. it, it really doesn't make any difference whether you're a man or a woman, what uh, credo or creed or gender or age, it makes no difference whatsoever. Uh, nobody cares. It's just, you know, people do the things that they're going to do and they do it because they're individuals and uh, it just, it makes no bones about uh, any of that shit, which is really nice to see. Which is great. And and why would it? I mean, this is the zombie apocalypse, right? Everyone yeah. is threatened by the zombies. Everyone is just trying to get by. So none of that stuff matters. Not that it does now, but yeah. none of it matters even less in the zombie apocalypse. Yeah. And they've been doing it since Jump Street, if I may uh, use a phrase from... The 80s? I don't know. I'm not even sure what that means. From the beginning. From the beginning. From Jump Street. <laughs> from, the, from the jump. From Jump Street. Huh. Sorry, maybe it's just me. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Could be. This is a, now you're using phrases that only you made up in the 80s. <laughs> yeah, it's in my own personal zeitgeist. Okay. Well, you can add it here. That's fine. We can introduce it to the lexicon on this podcast. Well, in all the bands that I was in, uh, I always said, let's take it from the horse. And, and then- everyone knew what that meant? Eventually they did because you don't put the cart before the horse. You put the horse first. So t- you take it from the horse. You take it from the beginning. All right. Well, speaking of horses, let's continue on. <laughs> All right. Next we have a call from Susan. Or was that just what we did? That's what we just did. All right. Then you're up. <laughs> oh. <laughs> next we have a call from Helena. 12 years we've been doing this and uh, right. we're, we're struggling today. We're struggling. Are you it's sure? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we're real. We're real people doing real things. And fucking it all up. <laughs> like most people. There you go. Yeah. Next, we have a call from Helena. Hi, Jason and Chris. This is Helena in Seattle. I just want to give a little bit of feedback about the Hunted episode. Um, I kind of like this episode because it visited so many characters and some of which we haven't seen lately. What I really like is that we get to see all of the adults in Alexandria desperately needing to repair and rebuild but also address this more urgent hunger issue. Meanwhile, the kids of Alexandria are all sitting around chatting and playing cards and talking about how hungry they are. Herschel um, is so great to have in this group because he's kind of like a badass and he's talking about his time on the road. Um, And while they're all children of the apocalypse, his experiences really emphasize how relatively secure the Alexandria kids have been compared to what he and Maggie must have gone through as he was growing up. So I think through Herschel, we get a little more insight into what Maggie has endured and how she's changed into the person she is. I also want to talk about Carol and the horses too. So she and Aaron are standing in a pretty much bare, empty pantry. And she's talking about how she needs to go get these horses rather than fix walls. And she states it's because they're necessary as beasts of burden for the community to rebuild and survive. And we come to know later, she sees them, or at least one of them, as a temporary solution to the food problem, too. And later when she slaughters the horse, she does it with a lot of compassion. Um, and I, at this point, I know that people had a hard time seeing this scene, but I have a hard time thinking that at this point in the apocalypse, that horse meat is unusual. Um, I mean, really, so many cultures eat horse now, and so it's not, I don't, I mean, it's 
somehow still taboo at this point in the apocalypse. Uh, I see the idea of slaughtering a horse um, as bizarre or taboo at that point just doesn't resonate with me. But anyway, so I believe they wrote it in to to showcase like the desperation of the community and what they're facing. And they just needed a lens to show that. Um, And they're definitely not going to show anybody slaughtering, you know, something cuter like a dog or something like that. Um, And by the way, Jason, my husband also commented that her hand washing was way out of sync with the flow. But I countered that a horse is a huge animal and must take hours to slaughter completely. And my nitpick is that why were only her hands bloody? I mean, she should have been covered head to toe. That'd be my guess. Anyway, I know this is a long message, but I have one more thing to say. I'm hoping that the reason that Magna brings up Connie is to remind us all who she is before they bring her back. So I'm looking forward to that. Anyway, thanks so much for the podcast, as always. Bye. Thank you so much. So let's start at the end there. I agree. I hope Connie does come back. We, the audience, know she's alive. So she is going to be back on the show. You got to think. Um, and if they're just reminding the more casual viewers that she's out there, then great. I hope she's back soon. I, I agree. I think that'd be great. I, I love, look forward to it. I love Connie. Uh, any comments on the hand-washing thing, the blood-covered hand-washing thing? I, I've never slaughtered anything. I, uh, I don't recall ever washing anybody but my own blood off my own hands. Uh, so, I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, I'm, I'm I've not never sure been either. to a, uh, an avatar. I've, I don't think I'd ever want to. I'm not big into slaughtering. I like my uh, my meat as it comes as packaged as humanly possible. Uh, the more packaging, the better. <laughs> well, maybe not the more the better, but some packaging. Yeah, some packaging. Yeah, okay. It doesn't have to be like you know triple bagged or anything. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, if it comes in a package, I'm happy. If it comes, you know, if it could wink at me, I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not going to eat it. If it no. wink, if it can wink at me, I'm not going to eat it. I don't think I'd like that either. Uh, all right. Well, then continuing backwards, um, I think uh, Helena's point about the sort of con- uh, contrast between the adults and the kids is fascinating too. And I think that's probably why that was in this episode, showing the kids sort of hanging around. Sure, they're hungry, but they're also just playing cards and talking about stuff. And there's a there was a lightheartedness to the kids' conversation a little bit, right? They're talking about being hungry and Herschel saying that they had to eat spiders, you know, let's, but, but it all came off a little happy-go-lucky as, as kids do, right? Even in the apocalypse, I guess, because every kid around that table was born post-zombie apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them have been living in, living in Alexandria for some time and some of them not, like... Herschel, I guess. So I just think it's a interesting thing I hadn't really thought about and I appreciated Helena pointing it out. Yeah. And, uh, the only other thing was, uh, you know, is horse meat unusual in this uh, day and age. Remember in season one when Daryl had a bandolier of squirrels? Yes. Right. So, uh, is squirrel meat normal? Was it normal for Daryl? Like, well, that was just like a, well, I'm hungry. Better go get some lunch. Hey, squirrels, the meat that grows on trees. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it was. Maybe he'd been eating squirrel his whole life. Uh, maybe. I, I don't think I could do that either because uh, the squirrels that have been coming to my back door, uh, Squippy in particular, uh, is obviously feeding some children. Uh, and so we give her peanuts to keep her strength up. And I don't think I could bring myself to murder Squippy 
in the backyard to uh, to well to feed my starving family. <sighs> maybe you could. I don't know if I do that. Maybe I, <laughs> maybe I should feed the Squippy more peanuts to fatten her up uh, for when the time comes. That's right. I mean, plan ahead. <laughs> you got to plan ahead. Get a plan for winter, like the squirrels do. That's right. I I do think though. Uh, again, Helena makes an interesting point about like ten years into the apocalypse, would it really be that? crazy to think that people might eat a horse. I mean, you got to expand your options a little bit when food is scarce. Um, and as she said, lots of people currently in the real world eat horse meat. So would it really be that weird in the apocalypse? Like of all the animals you could go to for food, wouldn't horse be pretty high on the list ahead of things like squirrels and raccoons and porcupines and whatever else? Yeah. Rabbits. Rabbits are bad, though, because you get rabbit starvation. You do, but I mean, rabbits would be high on the list, too, right? But yeah, I, horses are easier to catch than rabbits? I don't know. <laughs> uh, it's hard to say. We have a lot of rabbits around here, too. So, uh, you know, when they're little tiny baby bunnies, it's uh, they're cute as hell. Yes, they are. There's some in my backyard occasionally. Oh, uh, yeah. It makes me happy that I don't mow the lawn all that often because then the rabbits come around and try and eat all the long grass and various things that are green but aren't grass. And it makes me happy. Oh, it makes good. me feel good about not mowing the lawn. You got a rabbit sanctuary in your backyard. I like I like it. And a bird sanctuary and a squirrel sanctuary. We got a whole menagerie. And then <laughs> I told you about the time the deer ran through the yard. I, I heard. Yeah, that's exciting. Yeah, that was in the spring. We're just, uh, you know, mom and son are in the backyard having a good old time. And this fucking deer comes out of nowhere, runs <laughs> through the backyard, jumps over the fence, runs into the backyard of the house on the other side, runs through their plate glass window uh, through their sliding door into their house. They open the front door and the door runs out of the house. The deer runs out of the house. The only problem I have with that story is that the poor thing was panicking for some reason. Oh, if it's, it's gonna, scared out of its gore. Yeah. If it's running through someone's like glass door, I'm, I, I'm glad to hear it wasn't injured. It doesn't sound like it was injured seriously, but like that poor animal is, is scared and running away from something. So that sucks, yep. but- also, is kind of exciting. Sounds like an exciting day. It was. Uh, it was quite shocking. Yeah, quite I bet. shocking. I bet. All right. Uh, next, we have an email from Leisha in Arkansas. Leisha writes, "Okay, I'm watching The Walking Dead, and I'm to the part where the gals are trying to catch the horse. And oh my word, I had to stop and send this. You do not rope a horse. What the crap would they do if it had landed? Let go or get dragged to death." That's what. You can tell that no one has ever owned one of those majestic pains in the butt on this show because of the way you catch a horse is just to show it a bucket. That's it. You hold up a bucket and here comes the horse. I've owned horses and live on a highway and occasionally they get out. I didn't get fizzed up uh, and chase them with ropes. Nope. I just go get a bucket and yell, baby, baby, and led four horses at a time right into the corral. Buckets are one of the best tools on a farm. I've seen a lot of ridiculous scenes in The Walking Dead, but this one, oh boy, it was bad. <laughs> I love this email uh, yeah. because it makes so much sense. I mean, you're going to lasso a horse and then what? You're going to let go of the lasso because the horse horses are strong and they can run away faster than you. Well, this is the whole point of a horse, right? It is. And if you, <laughs> if you somehow manage to hold on... Well, you're just going to get dragged behind the horse. So it seems so stupid now that Leisha's pointed out that, you know, you can't lasso a horse. Uh, 
And, and then the other thing is a bucket being the best, one of the best tools on a farm. You think of all the things that you need to run a farm and all the tools and machinery and all this that you'd have. And then the one key item, bucket. Bucket. I can see that. I don't have a metal bucket. Unless I do. Do I have a metal bucket? Somewhere I think I have a metal bucket, but uh, I have a lot of plastic pails. Mm-hmm. And they're very handy to have around. They are, but like all you need to do is show an animal a bucket. It's like, oh, I bet you there's food in there and it comes right over to you. <laughs> yeah. And then it's like, why are you walking away? You got the food there to stop walking. Yeah. Come here, get that food. Uh, just, you know, come here for a second. Just stop for a second. I yeah. want some of that food. Exactly. Yeah, that's a, that's a good idea. Horse will follow you, follow you anywhere. So uh, thank you, Leisha, for that. That was, that was really amazing. You could do the same thing with people with uh, porn. Case of you beer. Know, you, yeah, case of beer. You want to corral some people, get some porn and some beer. They'll come knocking on your door. Yes, they will. <laughs> Not with the internet. You don't need to go anywhere now for porn. Yeah, good point, good point. Don't and beer, sp- you can get that delivered apparently. I have You don't plenty. even have to go to the beer store anymore. No, you don't. I've had it delivered to my house plenty of times over the last, uh, well, pandemic. <laughs> yeah, I guess this pandemic has taught us anything is that uh, you really don't need to leave your house. Nope. You do not. I don't want to. If you were sedentary before, boy, you can really be sedentary now. Yeah. Which is uh, not good for anybody. Uber Eats ordered that for the first time the other day. That's. And now I'm scared because I can Uber Eats fucking Tim Hortons coffee. (laughs) And they're they're only like a four minute drive. Yeah. If that. Well, you'll be going from drinking one or two a day to seven or eight before you know it. Well, yeah, you wouldn't order just one. You'd order like. Seven or eight. <laughs> there you go. You see? I have thermoses. Fill them up. All right. Next up, we've got a call from Lisa. Hi, Jason, and hi, Chris. This is Lisa from Queensland in Australia. I have a comment about um, this uh, last episode, uh, episode three, Hunted, um, of The Walking Dead. And it's particularly about the scene where um, Rosita is um, showing Coco the courses and Carol is washing her hands, her bloody hands, uh, presumably after she's killed, you know, the horses for food. And uh, I don't know, just the way that Rosita looked at her and then when you think about, you know, the, the conversation that she had with with Carol about the the dream that she had about um, Abraham, um, and then there was also a lot of talk about Connie. I'm just wondering, is is was it you know sort of um, symbolic of Carol having blood on her hands um, because well she didn't have any blood on her hands because of Abraham's death, but certainly you know of um, of Connie's presumed death, we, we the audience know she's not dead, but, you know, um, presumably, you know, she is dead and, and maybe people are blaming her for that or is it just foreshadowing and, you know, talking about or indicating things to come that Carol's going to have blood on her hands and uh, need to wash that off. It was just, a, I don't know, something that occurred to me. It was kind of interesting. Please keep up the... Good work, and uh, thank you again. Okay, bye. Thank you so much, Lisa. So Carol has blood on her hands. Um, 
very literally in this episode. Yeah. And having blood on one's hands is a very common metaphor for, you know, doing something bad. Um, is it too on the nose uh, for this? Or or do you think it means something more thematically to this episode or to the season? Uh, I am I'm having a hard time reading anything into it other than she had to kill a horse. So you're taking the ultra literal approach. Well, it's not literal, literal. It's uh, you know, it could be metaphorically she has blood on her hands because she killed a perfectly good horse in order to feed, uh, feed the family. So her, uh, her burden was big, right? So she did the deed, uh, and I'm sure it was not easy. I mean, uh, she had an easier time killing a couple of kids, right? <laughs> well, exactly. So Carol has killed a lot of people. She's killed children. She killed. Way back, uh, Karen and David, remember, in the prison. Um, oh. And, but more metaphorically, like, she may have some responsibility for Connie's disappearance and what the characters think of as dead. Um, yeah. And, but, but within this episode, right, there was a lot of talk about Connie between her and Magna and, and Kelly. And then there was that weird conversation with Rosita about Abe and how she's having dreams about him and he's trying to tell her something, but he can't say it and so on. And and as Lisa pointed out, there isn't really much of a connection there between Carol, but Rosita was talking to Carol about it. So I think that means something. So yeah, you know, Carol has a lot of blood on her hands throughout all of the seasons leading up to this point. And... Are they foreshadowing something else here? As Lisa says, who knows? But I think it's an interesting observation. And I, I didn't really think about it that way because I was focusing on, well, she just slaughtered a horse. So she was cleaning up after. Maybe yeah. because it seems too obvious, she actually is cleaning her hands of blood. Uh, I don't know, but could be something. I'm having, I'm having a hard time buying into it because uh, we know as... You know, if she's got blood on her hands and it's metaphorical, it's for the audience, right? And we know Connie's not dead, so she doesn't have blood on her hands for that. We know that. Uh, Rosita's dream was Rosita's, and, it, you know, she doesn't really have anything to do with Abraham's death. Uh, she's got a lot of blood on her hands from a lot of shit that she's done over the years, but uh, anything on the uh, current plot lines, I don't really see. So I'm having a hard time with this one. Yeah, so... I mean, I guess you're saying if, if they were going for something there, it was a little ham-fisted. <laughs> well, it's not really ham-fisted. It's just it's it's too tenuous, right? Yeah. It's uh, blood on your hands for someone we know is not dead and blood on your hands for someone else's dream uh, about somebody who was murdered by... Uh, oh, she did le let uh, Negan out, right? Right. And Negan killed Abraham. That might be a connection, uh, but... Depending, maybe she has blood on her hands foreshadowing what Negan's going to do. Maybe. Maybe based on, you know, Negan being, you know, turning into, uh, maybe he gets his hands on Lucille again and will do some nasty shit and she's got blood on her hands for that. But based on what has happened, I'm not sure I buy it. Uh, but if it's foreshadowing, I think that could be interesting. Could, could be anything. In that case, it's uh, pre- pre-blood hands or something like that. Hasn't happened yet. She will have blood on her hands. Yes, exactly. Uh, hey, was it, was it Abraham? Yeah. Who said to Rosita, uh, I thought you were the last woman on earth. Turns out you weren't. 
He, yeah. he, he was he said that to her, right? He sure did. God, what a dick. <laughs> it's a dick thing to say. Like even if you mean it, you don't spew that shit. Yeah. It's just mean. I don't know why I thought of that just now, but uh Keep it to yourself, man. You know, um Abe came up in conversation around my house the other day because we were watching Lost and he plays a character a, a yeah. small part on on Lost. Um and looked very different <laughs> back then. Yeah. Does so did. All right, we all did. We all did, Chris. Oh, we all very much did. That's that's very true. All right. Next, we have an email from D in Detroit. Little Herschel and Mama Maggie spent a lot of uh, spent much of the last ten years together, almost secluded. Then why doesn't Herschel have a southern accent? He would have learned to speak from his mother, and she definitely still has a southern twang to her speech. I don't know, D. It's a Kind of a good question, but at the same time, I don't think we can say for sure that they spent much of their time away uh, secluded. Like Maggie yeah. went to be with uh, Georgie, right, in her community. Yep. Um, that being said, Herschel probably did learn to speak mostly from his mother. Um, but hey, I mean, yeah, kids sound different all over the place. Yeah, <laughs> I know the answer. I know the. I absolutely know the answer. Okay, that's not the original Herschel. She found this kid and has convinced him that uh, he's her son as a replacement for her actual dead son. I mean, he just happens to look exactly like his father, but hey. She knows how to pick him, yeah. She's she's trained him well. She's trained him well enough that she can leave him alone and, you know, still hold up his end of the story. So uh, that's, you know, that just buys in, in, into that sick, twisted, dark aspect of my uh, conspiracy. I guess so. Theory. Well, I mean, okay. So there you go, D. Not the original Herschel. That's the only explanation. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Very good. I knew you'd have an answer, Jason. Here we go. A call from Tyler. Chris, Jason, I have a few things I want to talk to you guys about. Uh, First off, Father Gabe, he used to be my least favorite character. I wanted him dead every single week. Just was annoying. And now, by far, my favorite character. Uh, I was going to say this even before Jason mentioned it, and I totally agree with you, Jason. I also want to add, just his overall look the last season or two, awesome. The one bad eye, the big hat, all black, like, super awesome. Real slick. Uh, Lastly, as far as Maggie, I don't necessarily think that she is evil. I think maybe she has... um, been under the thumb of the Reapers and maybe she was prisoner and they want something from her. So she is getting Negan. Oh wait, what if, what if the Reapers want Negan for whatever reason, Negan did something to them, you know, as uh, his former self and now they want him for retribution. And so that's why she can't kill him. Just came up with that. Oh my gosh. And so maybe they have something of Maggie's, like another kid that she adopted or gave birth to, or I don't know. So they have something over Maggie. That's why she still will kill them, but also won't kill Negan. So she's kind of stuck between a hard and a rock and rock and a hard place. There we go. So I don't know. Uh, What do you guys think? Oh, thank you so much, Tyler. I, I loved that email. It was a wild ride. Uh, we start, awesome. Yeah, we start with uh, Father Gabe being awesome, which we'll talk a little bit more uh, more about in the next couple of emails and calls. Um, but then uh, 
Negan versus the Reapers. What if this is all about Negan and the Reapers actually want him or want to get back at him for something? Uh, and whether Maggie knows it or not, like uh, who knows? Um, but maybe it's all about him instead of her. And, you know, <laughs> maybe there's another child involved, which is just <laughs> a crazy bit of uh, coincidence that you just brought that up. And now uh, Tyler did as well, because I don't know if people know this, know this, but I don't pre-play the calls for Jason. I just let him react no. in real time. So yeah. good stuff. And I don't even pre-read the emails that you read out. I only read the ones uh, that I read beforehand. Just to make sure you can wrap your mouth around them. Yeah, just barely, just barely. I make uh, I make some notes on uh, how to read them, but that's that's it. Okay. Uh, that's, anyways, that's why the, when I fuck it up, that it's uh, it's that much worse because I I prep. You've practiced and it didn't go well. I don't practice. I prep. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, I don't know anything. Anything other thoughts on Negan versus the Reapers? The fact that it, this might be all about him and not Maggie. Well, I have a hard time with that because uh, Negan has been in a prison cell for a long time. And how would they know that he was there? I guess Maggie would have told him. Uh, there's a lot of dots to connect to get there. And the the best thing I can think of is that they're actually after Lucille because we all know that Lucille is a sentient weapon that uh, is uh, epic in its proportions. It's a, a magical item of... Uh, you know, uh, godly proportions. So maybe they're after Lucille and they want to find it. And the only person who currently knows where it is, is uh, Negan, maybe. Is that true? I'm not sure that's true. Which part? The, the, None of it's true, but which part are you <laughs> referring to? The, the Negan knowing where Lucille is part. No, but maybe they, you know, maybe they don't know that he doesn't know. They're just, right. uh, they're trying to get to it. Yeah. Right. They figure it was his weapon. So uh, he must have some idea. Yeah, he would be okay. the only one. And maybe Maggie, probably Maggie would know more than Negan. Anyway, uh, it's, just a, it's just a theory. Yeah, I think so. Fun to talk about, though. And um, no matter what, you don't want to be stuck between a hard rock and a place. <laughs> yeah, I definitely don't. <laughs> no, for sure. <laughs> a, hard, a hard rock and a soft place? That'd be all right. Maybe that'd fuzzy, be okay. Fuzzy place? That'd be weird. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Thank you, Tyler, for that. It was awesome. All right. Next, we have an email from Matt in South Wales. Uh, Matt writes, I think Jason is onto something about Father Gabe. I've personally never really liked him. He's always stuck me as somewhat shifty, untrustworthy, and borderline mentalist. Uh, Jason made an excellent point about how he is almost a different person when he's alone compared to being in the company of others. In a group, he is all holier-than-thou, pious, turn-the-other-cheek, God is good, etc. But left to his own devices, he'll lock his flock out of their own church and watch from a stained glass window as they get devoured. He'll happily stand by and watch his very recent former chum get pulled apart in the next tube carriage. And instead of praying for you at your request, he'll happily stab you in the head instead. The only counter I would have to Matt's comment here is that in the subway car there were other people around. So he, he was kind of ruthless towards yeah. Gage in front of other people, but otherwise, yeah, he seems to be a little different when he's around a group than he is when he's on his own, which is what you said on the last podcast. Um, it's just, it falls apart for me a little bit in that train car, that idea. 
Yeah, a little bit. Or the tube carriage, as Matt puts it. Well, I, you know, Matt is from South Wales, so he's... Oh, I get it. I like tube carriage. I think we should start calling it tubes over here. I think uh, that makes much more sense. I mean, it does. They are basically tubes underground where trains run through them. The first subways were pneumatic. Yeah. They used air to push them back and forward, and there were tubes. It's pretty cool, actually. And they, uh, and they, because of the, um, uh, the Teamsters, like all the, uh, the horse-drawn carriages, uh, and the, the, the unions and the people that were, uh, uh, in charge of all the riders or the, you know, the people that ride to make horses go, what are they called? Horse drivers? <laughs> <laughs> What do you uh, call those people? Uh, cowboys? Anyway, <laughs> cowboys? What, they, they're not in a cart, though. Anyway, uh, terminology is failing me here. But uh, in order to get the subways working, uh, and you know, they had to expand uh, tubes in the ground. They, they didn't just dig their own holes. They took um, water pipes and expanded them to the point where you could fit a train car in there and then push it back and forth with... Uh, uh, with air. So tubes makes much more sense. Well, there you go. The, you know, people in Britain have it right. Oh, and a horse cart is a carriage. Fuck. Yes, it is. So a <laughs> carriage driver, horse, what are they called? Jockeys? No. Well, I mean, someone who rides a horse, I guess in certain situations is called a jockey. Yeah. Damn it. I mean, they have the people riding horses, horse-drawn carriages around Central Park all the time in New York City, and the people that make them go are called. <laughs> Damn it! The internet's yelling at me. All right, I'm yelling at me. All right. Anyway, well, moving on. While you think about that, we're going to do a call from Joe. Hi, Jason. Hi, Chris. This is Joe. I listen to your podcast weekly. I really enjoy um, your discussions that you have. But my comment is uh, you were talking about, um, I think it was uh, Chris was talking about how badass that Gabriel is becoming. But if you remember right, Gabriel, he's killed, he killed Dante kind of cold-bloodedly. And um, he also um, killed one of the saviors when they went into the those outposts and I can't remember what season it was, but it was whenever uh, they went and killed the the saviors in that outpost before they met Negan. And uh, he did the same thing, told him that God didn't exist anymore when the guy was asking him to uh, said that he couldn't kill him because he was a, uh, a man of God. But anyway, um, that's all I had to say. Enjoy your show. Thank you. Thank you, Joe. It was actually Jason on the last podcast talking about uh, Father Gabe not killing before, and a number of people wanted to point out that um, Father Gabe has killed that savior, also killed Dante in the uh, the cell just (laughs) not that long ago, last season. (laughs) And, And the one that Joe didn't mention is when Father Gabe killed the Terminator in his uh, 10C episode with Aaron, right? Oh, right. He jumped up and killed that guy. So um, Father Gabe is no stranger to killing dudes, um, even though it seemed like he's become a lot darker recently. I think maybe he's been pretty dark all along. He has been, uh, and he's beginning. uh, Why is he only becoming so cool right now then? 
Well, I don't know. Maybe it's... Uh... Is, it the, is it the cameras? Did they switch cameras to the HD cameras and he looks uh, a lot more badass on, in HD than he does on film? Maybe. Could be something like that. I don't know. Or or maybe it's the outfit, um, you know, with all black. Uh, like someone previously said, all black and, and the funny eye and the big hat. And maybe he's just like embracing it more. And so it's appealing to you now. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. He's putting out some kind of pheromones over the TV and I'm, uh, I'm drinking them in. And you are drinking them right in. Yeah, exactly. All right. Next, we have a call from Shane. Hey, Chris and Jason. Shane here from the UK. I wanted to say, holy crap, did you see that walker tied to the Judas post? Um, he was so crispy. He was so well done. For that to have happened, there is no way that his brain would not have melted out through his nose if the heat was that hot. So that should have just been a body. I know you have to like, they're trying to be creative and stuff, but at some point you have to be a little bit realistic with these things. I was just like, oh my God, that's crazy. And um, I was just like, then Agatha died. And I was like, how has this woman survived 10 years into the zombie apocalypse? At this stage, the only people that are alive should be completely not badasses because you cannot have that many walkers just randomly just appear out of nowhere and get the drop on you. It's absolutely ridiculous. Um, one final thing was um, I'm never going into a building older than 10 years again because, I mean, I've been in stairwells of buildings that are like 60 plus years. And if I knew that the handrails were so brittle, I would not have gone into that stairwell. That was really, really crazy how brittle that metal had become. I mean, there wasn't even like flood damage or anything like that. It was just time. And I think that's, again, it's like with the burnt up walker, you kind of have to, you have to just believe and just, you have to just enjoy it. But I thought it was a bit crazy. But yeah, anyway, that's my thoughts on this episode. Um, Keep up the good work. I can't wait to see what you think of the next episode. Until next time, take care and stay safe. Thank you very much, Shane. Not sure I have much to add there other than uh, in terms of Agatha, you know, she, I think she just got careless. Like she, she died because she stabbed a zombie in the head, pulled the knife out and her arm, you know, swung back and it swung back right into a zombie who just grabbed it and bit right in. So, you know, it doesn't mean she wasn't a badass, but to be honest, we never really got to know her anyways. So who knows? Yeah. And at that point, she knew she was done for, so she just kind of leaned into it, right? She just kind of leaned back and let them take her at that point. Yeah, that's right, despite Maggie trying to pull her out. But uh, the, the, that walker got a big chunk out of her arm, so there was, I don't think there was any more, any coming back from that. Well, at that moment, my first thought was, I guess that arm's coming off, because that's uh, yeah. what you do, right? You lop the arm off and you move on from there. Yeah, that's true. If Even you can... though... <laughs> Really, that's a death sentence with uh, the medical technology that they have in this uh, zombie apocalypse. But it's worth a shot. I guess so, yeah. If they could have gotten her out of there, chopped that arm off. I mean, when you think about it, though, there were still other zombies around, so it's not like they could, like, take a break, chop that arm off, try to deal with it, and so on. They first had to run away, so if you... uh, spend time doing that, well, it's probably too late. Or if you do hack the arm off, it's hard to run away with an arm off. So uh, I I think she was, I don't think there was much hope for her, but you're right. In the right circumstances, I guess, chop it off and see what happens. Yeah. Not the first time. I mean, Rick survived that, right? Uh, Comics. Right. And exactly. And uh, Herschel at the prison, right? Had his leg chopped off. So 
they've they've done it a bunch and and it's it's crossed all walking dead media too like that's been in video games that's been in books everywhere they're trying to uh chop limbs off what what yep. you need to do is get bit, bit at the end of your finger and then just hack your finger off cuz that's more way more survivable than a whole leg or something right yeah you could uh, you could live without a finger totally lots of people do i remember i remember picking fingers when i was uh, uh spending a lot of time drumming I'd be like, I could use that one and 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 that one, but the rest I got to keep. <laughs> right. So if you're using a table saw, just be careful with those ones you really need. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Good. <laughs> and as far, uh, Shane, as, as uh, you were saying about the burnt walker, about his brains leaking out, there's a um, uh, a technique called, called uh, shoshuban, which is a way of preserving wood. You take a propane torch. Uh, and you burn the wood, like you take a raw, you take raw wood and you burn the wood, uh, on the outside in order to make it, uh, you know, all black and burnt. And that actually protects the wood on the inside from being damaged from weather because the outside's already burnt. It creates like a kind of a crispy coating to it. So maybe they did that with this walker where instead of just throwing it in a fire or like, obviously they didn't turn the, burn the tree right? Maybe they, uh, they went in with torches and just kind of burnt the outside and made it all nice and crispy, but the inside was still, uh, viable hmm. flesh. Maybe like a, like a yummy blackened chicken or something like that. Yeah. I don't know if I'd call it yummy, I mean, <laughs> but well, I've the, never the, been a big fan of blackened chicken. Okay. Some, but, uh, some people might yeah. like it. Um, for oddly enough, you get that kind of really good patina on a pig. And I'm happy. Like that's really good stuff. If you've, you've had you've had whole roast pig before, where they they show up like fucking day before and they roast a pig for seventy six hours or whatever. Well, uh, not uh, in Canada, but I have eaten a roasted pig before, roasted over an open fire, and it was one of the best things I ever had. Like it was, yeah, so delicious. I went to a wedding once that was uh, out in the country, and uh, the the meal was this pig, and uh, it, it was fucking delightful. Big old pig roast. Sounds good. I mean, it looked like a pig, right? And that was the, my biggest problem is that usually I like meat that comes in packages. that's already shaped like hamburgers if possible. Sure. We, we heard. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so this thing was shaped like a pig, but, uh, damn, it was good. It was a good pig. And did yeah. I ever tell you about the time I thought about becoming a vegetarian? For what? One second? <laughs> well, it was, it was a little while. It was like, um, I wonder if I should become a vegetarian. It makes more sense, right? You, uh, instead of eating the animal that eats, uh, plant life, you just eat plant life. You cut out the middleman. You get more percentage of the sun's energy in your diet rather than, uh, going through the whole thing of, of meat. And then I walked into a grocery store, which was in, uh, on the Danforth on, in Greektown. And in the, uh, in the deli counter, there was this raw leg of lamb. Like it was just this leg of lamb that was cut off. You could see the bone and the meat. And the first thing I thought was, oh, that looks really good. And I thought, oh, I guess I'm not going to be a vegetarian. There are, because you love. It looked delicious. It looked, it was, it was raw. It was obviously the leg of an animal that has been cut. Uh, but, uh. Right. Jeez. If it wasn't like $600 or whatever the fuck it was, I would, I might've partake. And didn't, I didn't have any way of cooking it either because I was. Uh, homeless living in a ba- ba- basement apartment with a little oh. tiny stove okay <laughs> um yeah well i think there are all kinds of good reasons to become vegetarian to be quite honest with you and i've considered it um but i've never uh pulled the trigger on that uh yet we'll see though it's the stakes it's the stakes for me 
Yeah. Like it's not even the pig because uh, pigs, you know, the magical animal with sausage, bacon, and ham. It's uh, it's it's the steaks that do it for me. Yeah, I can I can see that. But uh, anyways, it's a different conversation. Someday I think we'll I'm do hungry. A, you might be. <laughs> <laughs> Someday we'll do a meat versus plant based diet podcast. No, probably not. No, that's one of those podcast ideas that we'll never do that we'll put on Facebook in order to uh, confuse their algorithms. <laughs> exactly. All right. Uh, who's next? I forget. You is. Okay. And it is a call from Dan in New Jersey. So, hi, guys. Season 11, episode three. Now, as far as Adam, I thought that Adam was the baby that Rick found in that crib in that savior's house right after he killed the what it turned out to be the father of the baby. I remember a lot of discussion about why that baby was there. It was a big mystery, some special savior location. And then when they took the baby back to Alexandria, Tommy and Earl took care of the baby, even though they were still grieving about the death of their adult son. So uh, I believe that's the backstory for Adam. And so it'll be interesting to see if there's anything more about where he came from. Have a good week. Looking forward to listening. Thanks, Dan. Actually, you're close. Not quite. So Adam was indeed adopted by Tammy and Earl before they both died. And when they did, uh, Alden stepped up and became that baby's guardian parent, basically. But Adam was the baby that the Whisperers abandoned yeah. on the field in front of Hilltop. Gamma's sister. Uh Gamma's sister, that's right. Yep. So that's where Adam came from. Um, now... The, the baby in that uh, satellite station was a girl, wasn't it? Yes. So that was Gracie, who Gracie. is under the care of Aaron, and who was in this episode, who we saw hanging out with the other kids because she's closer in age. Um, so I was... I had to, I'll be honest, I had to go back and get my baby straight. I looked that up on the Walking Dead wiki. But yeah, Adam was the Whisperer's baby, and Gracie was the one from the Savior's uh, outpost. Right. He went to the, baby, the Walking Dead baby wiki. Right. It's the Walking Dead everything wiki, but it includes information <laughs> like that. <laughs> nice. It's very helpful, actually. It's, uh, if you if you need to... If you can't remember who somebody was or where they came from or details of an episode, it's all there. Like, all of it. Everything is there. It's very, very helpful, and I use it all the time. I should visit more often because I rarely know what's going on. <laughs> it might help if you do. And sometimes I fake it. I, I'm, I'm aware. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if anyone else is, but hey. Uh, I try not to. I try to be real. It's fair. All right. You Lastly, be real. No, it can't always be real. Uh, lastly, we have an email from Dina in Maryland. Hi, guys. I just wanted to give you some insight regarding the discussion about the country church. I moved to Baltimore County, Maryland within the last year, and I'm constantly amazed at the amount of trees and woodland areas around this major metro. As a matter of fact, this past weekend, my husband and I drove to D.C. and had a conversation about The Walking Dead being set in D.C., in the D.C. metro area right now, and how it seems unbelievable that a metro of 5 million people, there are so many woodland, uh, wooded areas, but it's true. D.C. itself, no. But 10 to 20 minutes away and further, absolutely wooded areas everywhere. 
Yeah, so that's it's an interesting comment from Dina here. Like, you know, these are big cities, but like as soon as you're outside, there's all kinds of wooded areas. And I suppose you could say that's true in Toronto, where I live and where you live close to. Um, because Toronto's a really green city. If you go up the CN Tower, which is the big pointy tower in downtown, and you look out, it looks like it's nothing but trees, to be honest. Like, we have tons and tons of trees, but it's all in a very urban area. What I was thinking about the show and the DC area is it feels like they're walking through forests all the time, right? And we have parks yeah. and there are forests and stuff like that, but they're urban. Um, on the show, it feels like they're out in the country, like more than anything else. Yeah, maybe it's because uh, DC is landlocked, right? Whereas mm -hmm. uh, Toronto's right on the water. Like, we're not in the ocean or anything, but uh, it's on the water. So there's nowhere to sprawl except away from the water because the city started on the waterfront yep. uh, and then moved away from there. So being downtown Toronto, it doesn't mean you can go in any direction and find woodland areas. You go in one direction, you end up uh, basically knee deep in uh, Lake Ontario. You go the other direction, that's the only way you can go. So it takes a long time to get out of there. So maybe yeah. that has something to do with it too. It could, yeah. And this also makes me think of the time I drove, uh, a long time ago, my sister used to live in Moncton, New Brunswick, which is a city uh, on the in the Maritimes of Canada. And we drove there to visit her and we're following the map. We're driving along the highway, got the directions going, right? And we're getting very close. And we're driving along this highway, which was... Uh, narrow-ish highway which had forest on both sides of it yeah and the map started saying like you're two minutes away i'm like what, two minutes away i i'm in a forest i can't see any city at all and sure enough like the the exit from the highway was coming up in one kilometer we exit we drive for a couple of minutes um you know on the on the side road and there they are. They live in this subdevelopment on the outskirts of Moncton. Now, to be fair, I was on the outskirts of Moncton, but like I was like, I'm two minutes away apparently from a, you know, an urban-ish area, and I can't see any buildings. There are no houses around. It just looks like wilderness around here. So, you know, Toronto is a really big city. There's at least five million people here, just like Dina says is in Maryland, in uh, D.C., but Moncton has a lot less. So I think when cities get smaller, it might feel like just a, you know, a plop of city in the middle of a forest, you know? Yeah. Sault Marie, where I'm from, is like that. It's locked in uh, essentially on all four sides. There's, uh, you know, the St. Mary's River and on the other side is, is the uh, is the U.S. We can't go that way. Can't go north <laughs> nope. because uh, there's a Canadian shield there, which right at the north edge of town is just like these friggin' mountains. So uh, you can't really build any sprawl that way. Uh, to the east is is native land and you can't build out that way. Uh, and then to the, uh, to the west is the only real direction you can go. But again, you're locked in by water on that side. There's a little bit more wiggle room out there but uh the city really can't expand and it's kind of like contained so in any direction you cut well there's only two real directions to come in from uh into the sioux unless you come across the border in the u.s and that's a whole other thing but you're driving there's nothing 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 you're downtown that's it's, what it, it felt <laughs> like yeah 
And uh, it's interesting you mentioned the Sioux. I, in my mind, I'm like, oh, the Sioux must be like tiny compared to Moncton. I just looked them up. Guess which city has a bigger population? Uh, Sudbury. <laughs> I didn't look Wait. up Sudbury. <laughs> yeah, Sudbury has over 100,000. The Sioux is probably what, uh, between around 80,000? Uh, Sault Ste. Marie in, t- in 2016 reported 73,368 people. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people are leaving. It's weird. It was higher than that when I lived there. Yeah. But the 2016 population reported for Moncton, New Brunswick is 71,889. Ah, so it's, right. it's virtually the same, but it's technically less. I'm like, that's crazy. I would have thought Moncton is twice the size of the Sioux, but my really? perception's all off. Yeah. Mm. Anyways. There you go. Thank you, Dina, for that message. And thank you to everyone who wrote and called in this week. It was great to hear from you all. We had a few like first time callers too, which is really always really, really nice. Um, So if you're out there and you're listening and you've been sitting around going, you know, I think I'd like to call or email into a podcast. Well, you couldn't do worse than this one. (laughs) You could could, do worse. You couldn't do better. I don't know. Could, I mean, couldn't do better. This, this is a good one to do. This is a good one to do. So um, give us a call or send us a message about uh, any future episode of The Walking Dead. We'd love to hear from you. We love to hear from new people all the time, too. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if you've, uh, all, all you fine folks that have called in for the first time, you're doing better than I have. I've never called into the show. <laughs> never. Not even once. No. I've never sent an email to the show. I've never called in. Uh, not at all. Even when we record, I generally call Jason. <laughs> yeah. Right? <laughs> and uh, to be fair, uh, I don't really listen either. Right? So you <laughs> long time listener, first time caller. I've never called. I don't really listen to the podcast. Uh, you, you listen basically, but you go back and listen to like episodes from like years ago. No, no, never. I mean, I listen <laughs> to them because I make sure it's all good before I release it. And I do a little bit of minor editing and stuff. But uh, uh, the only reason I would go back to listen to us on a previous episode is if I needed to confirm something or whatever. And that that's pretty rare. Or you wanted to feel bad about yourself? Because that's, <laughs> that's how it would work on me. I mean, I don't know. In, in what way? I, I wouldn't feel too bad about myself. I don't oh, think. Oh, I would. The shit that comes out of your, my mouth sometimes, oh. uh, I'm embarrassed about <laughs> Well, good thing it's, we're... It's, uh, it's better if I can just fire and forget, you know? <laughs> I was going to say, good thing we're just putting it out there to the whole internet then. Yeah, but I don't have to listen. Yeah, fair enough. That's the nice thing is if you don't like something, don't listen. That's a good policy. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, the next episode of The Walking Dead is coming up this Sunday on AMC. Uh, I want to take a second, though, to, well, talk about something really quick here, and that is that now that these episodes are available on AMC+, Plus, a full week ahead of time, um, people have been, not very many, but occasionally people are kind of jumping the gun with feedback for us, which is fine. I don't mind that at all. But I wanted to throw it out there that I typically don't watch the new episode until after we've recorded both podcasts about the one before. So if an episode comes out on a Sunday night, we record our recap on a Monday, we do our feedback on the Thursday, and even though the next episode has been on AMC Plus for like 
five days already, I wait and I don't watch it until usually the Friday or the Saturday. Um, so only a day or two ahead of the actual AMC broadcast. Uh, so don't let that stop you from sending in comments, but um, maybe include a spoiler warning for me because I do look at many of the emails to see what I'm going to, you know, put together for this show. And uh, I haven't been seriously spoiled yet, but I have a feeling it's going to happen. So, um, yeah, don't let anyone, you know, don't let that stop you from sending it in, but uh, just keep that in mind. I um, usually don't listen until Monday afternoon or we'll uh, watch the episode until Monday afternoon. Right. In uh, when we recorded on Tuesdays, I waited till Tuesday afternoon. But, uh, you know, it's been 12 years and I haven't missed an episode yet before we uh, recorded the recap podcast. Right. I mean, we've delayed the recap pod podcast by half an hour so I could finish the episode, but I haven't not watched it yet. Good. Well, <laughs> there's still time. Uh, yeah. Anyways, I just wanted to say that it, it makes the scheduling of all this a little bit more complicated because we're still talking about episode two, for example, and three has been out for, you know, nearly a week. So, um, anyways, it is what it is. We'll get through and everything will be fine. This is going to be the problem we have when we invent time travel. Like, it's not just going to be time travel invented, like, hey, let's go to the future. Hey, let's go to the past. It's going to be like time travel is going to be invented in all times at the same time. Right. So uh, it's it's going to be messed up. It's like, did that happen yet? I don't know. Just because A causes B doesn't mean B happened after A. When it you could can, have happened before that. Yeah. When you can travel, travel through time, it messes a lot of things up. Think of software threads. Right, uh, multi-threaded software development is complicated like that. Uh, you know, time travel when it gets invented, we're all fucked. Like it's just going to be a mess. <laughs> yeah, I, think, I think that's a pretty good way of putting it. It's just, just going to be a huge mess. And that's why I don't think time travel will ever be invented, because it hasn't been invented in this time yet. Right, because we'd know. Yeah, we'd know. Okay. Well, that's very, very interesting. Uh, if you have any comments on that or, you know, more likely on The Walking Dead, then send them in. Um, to do that, visit our website, Talking Dead Podcast at uh, talk, talkingdeadpodcast.com. <laughs> that's, that's where the website wow. is. You can send us a voicemail with the uh, little voicemail link at the top there. And of course, send email to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. I fired up the Twitter account again this week because it is now our only connection to social media. And uh, so I will be tweeting about this episode when it is available in a short time later this evening. And I did the same thing last week and people liked it and responded and there's been a little more Twitter activity. So um, on Twitter, we are at Talking Dead if you want to follow us there and comment there and I'll try to stay on top of it. Nice. Twitter's still a thing? It is still a thing, Jason. Are you sure? I'm positive. <laughs> All right. I am positive. I haven't seen it in a while. I'm not sure it's a thing that anyone should be a part of because it can be, well, like all social media, it can be pretty toxic, but also helpful in some other ways. So, uh, Are we going to get flagged? Because now we're moving over there and <laughs> the internet hates us? Well, you know what, man? I've, I've had the Talking Dead Twitter handle since the beginning, and AMC is a different one. So if they're going to screw us there not saying that amc did but if we're going to get screwed on on twitter you know who knows it'll be exciting if it happens 
five million. I want uh, if Talking Dead wants uh, the Twitter handle, I, I'd entertain uh, a five million dollar price tag. Done, done deal. I'll <laughs> let them know if they come knocking. I'll even give you most of it. Okay, thanks, man. <laughs> As in two point six million. All right, fifty five percent. Still most. It sure is. All right, that's enough. Uh, let's wrap this up. We'll be back next week. Oh, title reads. Do some title reads for the next episode uh, if you can. That would be wicked. We didn't have one for this one. Oh, yes, we did. But the more the better. So uh, do some title reads. Send them to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. I think that's all. Thank you so much, everyone. Until next time, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Ciao.